Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, what a time. Woo! Jesus. He's on the move, right? It's not just a cliche. It's for reals. God is absolutely on the move in this nation. You know, um, I was brought into the kingdom at um, a time when actually was really the equivalent to the Jesus revolution in California when half of my colleagues and friends in California and other places were coming to the Lord out of the new age and the surfy culture and the drug culture and everything like that. And uh, here in Australia, there was an equivalent Jesus revolution that occurred um, on the whole of the eastern seaboard. Is anyone aware of that? Anybody here who's affected by that and swept into the kingdom? And I was a part of a revival that occurred in the Northern Rivers region in nine, from 1979 to 1985. Hundreds of people were swept into the kingdom out of the new age and drugs and surfing. Well, surfing, we don't, get, we don't give up surfing. What are you talking about, woman? Anyway, you know what I mean. Just random culture, right? Alternative culture. All the surfers are just about to get up and walk out. Um, but you know what I mean. Like everyone was alternate. Everyone was like crazy. And uh, it was, you know, it was the season where, um, you know, we had combi vans. I mean, they were cool. And it was just an awesome season in the kingdom because we came into the kingdom, none of us except, you know, I came out of a, a, a denomination that hadn't had a move of the Spirit. And so I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. I was like, is that in the Bible? My gosh. Anyway, so we got radically saved. And I just want to decree that Australia is getting ready for a radical, radical Jesus revolution. Something's going on because he's visiting people. Uh, there was a girl that just rocked up at our church actually just the week before last and she came in to church and she was just a hardcore new age lady and uh, we've been sowing into the ground there for many, many years. When we first went there, we led a lot of backpackers to Jesus. I mean, incredible amounts actually. Um, and it was, you know, it was an interesting time. Um, we couldn't really get many people to come to church. It was like we used to count the cats, the dogs and all the people. I think we at one point, for the first seven years, we had like, I don't want to exaggerate, maybe 12 people. I mean, it was bad. Anyway, <laughs> you don't want to hear about that if you're a church planter, right? But um, it was tough times. But anyway, now um, the tables are turning and the Lord is visiting people um, all over this nation in their living rooms tonight. There is a move because we, before every great move of God, there is a prayer movement. This has been proven through history, right? That before every great move of God, there is a prayer movement because prayer causes the river to percolate and it just gets God going out there doing his thing because he will move without us. And there are sovereign moves of God that have been recognized all through history. But God chooses to partner with man. He chooses to partner with woman, <laughs> for the woman. Uh, he chooses to partner with us because he wants to work in a co-union and he wants to cause um, there to be this incredible partnership between earth and heaven, yeah? And so there's something going on right now because we've been praying our little heads off, haven't we? Hands up if you've been praying for Australia for, okay, we're going to start with five years, 10 years, 20 years. I've got my hand up. 30 years, 40 years. Come on. It's 50 <laughs> Where is our intercessors? All right. Well, we just bless the intercessors tonight. I adore intercessors. 
and I just, I just love, love, love intercession and I see a huge correlation between um, intercession and what uh, God does with his church. You know, it's really, really linked in. Anyway, that's not my message tonight. I'm going to see how quickly I had to just move away from that <laughs> um, because I'm very excited about intercession, very excited about the move of God that he's bringing on the earth. And I know that uh, we've been called to partner with him. But tonight, um, my brief is to really speak about the prophetic and to really encourage you in the building up of your church your community, and I believe every community of God, every single local church is called to be a prophetic community, yes? So it's not, I'm not addressing tonight the prophets that gather in one location, although that's fun. Um, I'm addressing the, you as the local church and honour the incredible pastors that are here. I just love Sheck and Paul. I've known them for many, many years and just thrilled that you're here in Newcastle and doing great things. And you, Tanya, bless you. Haven't met you until tonight and of course amazing Mark and Annette what you guys are doing just touches my heart very very deeply and I just love local church I love what God's doing in Australia um, and it's important and so I want to tonight draw your attention to the fact that and you know I'm probably preaching to the choir in a group like this but uh, if we have a look at Ephesians um, it's hard to see with the red light but I'm going to try and See my notes here. I'm pretty sure it's Ephesians 3. I could get my torch out. No, I'm only kidding. Um, but it says that now then, no longer are you aliens and foreign, foreign sojourners, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and householders of God. Thank you, Lord. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Um the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, there being a chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself, in whom the whole building closely joined together grows into a holy and inner sanctuary in the Lord. Now, the, we've largely through the ages had this concept that the church was built upon the pastors. And that is the, one of the biggest misconceptions that we're dealing with in current culture the church biblically speaking was built upon the prophets and the apostles and Jesus is the chief cornerstone and without those three things working together the apostles and the prophets and the Lord Jesus really helps to have him right there right <laughs> it's hard when he's not there um, but when the apostles and the prophets are working in close proximity to the Lord um, it really does cause something to shift. There is a breaker spirit that comes upon the church. And, you know, I, I get around, we get around a little ways, um, not as much as we're going to be in the coming years. We're just starting to go out from our community, which we've built for 20 years now, and we're about to begin to hand that church to our pastoral team. But one of the things I've observed in the body of Christ is that one of the major gripes, I suppose, or grizzles, no one here's ever grizzled, have they, about the church? So I know I'm, I'm probably in the wrong group. But, um, you know, the main grizzle that you hear in the church is that people want the pastors to be doing all these different things. And in, in, in biblical terms, that's actually not only um, completely wrong, it's also highly dysfunctional um, because you cannot do all those things. You cannot be a teacher, an evangelist, a pastor, a prophet, and an apostle unless you want to end up on a gurney. 
where I've nearly been several times. And, you know, until you get delivered as a pastor from that concept that you are to be all of those things, you, you, it, it, it really can be an incredible bondage that people coming into the church with a very misconstrued paradigm, a very pastoral paradigm, when in actual fact, Jesus has anointed this whole different group of people called apostles and prophets to lead the church. And it's sort of high time we deal with this false paradigm and really put the prophets in the place that they need to be and the apostles because without the visions, without, you know, remember the verse in Proverbs that says, without a vision, the people, oh good, I'm with the right people. (laughs) I'm just seeing if you're awake. Okay, so we perish without a vision and it's the visionaries amongst us who stir up the vision. They're like, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. Like I annoy the heck out of my team because I'm the visionary. I'm like, we should try this, we should do this, we should do that. And the people who are pastors are like, would you calm down, woman? Like, because they have got to care for the people, you know? Um, and so something's going to give if you have, you know, um, if you only have prophets leading the church. I mean, that's really scary. <laughs> Woo! All the people will be burnt out. So we're on to the next thing. You know, I'm already in India a week before I go to India. So, like, people are like, where are you now? And I'm like, oh. anyway, you don't need to know that stuff. So it's what happens to people who have that gifting. Same thing as when we unleash the evangelists to run the church. Do not get me started. That is dysfunctional. All they do is beat up on the people about how nasty the people are because if you loved people, you would be out there. And it's like, well, we do love people. We're in here trying to get them healed. What are you doing? And they're like, we're out there getting them saved. And something wrong with you. And it's like, no, you're just evangelists and you're frustrated. Go and evangelize. Don't wait for the church to tell you how to do it. Just get the heck out there. Am I speaking someone's language? So teachers teach, pastors... Thank you. (laughs) I was going to say it. (laughs) And apostles... Apostles? Apostolists? No, they, they, they lead in, in the most extraordinary ways. They go to nations and they, they think in a visionary capacity as well and they send people out, they train and equip. And so the church was meant to be built upon the foundation of all of these fivefold gifts. And it's really annoying when you've been in the church for a number of decades and people are still putting silly things on pastors. You can tell that I'm having a grizzle, so I better quickly move. Okay. (laughs) All the pastors are like, come on, just talk about that. Um, No, I'm not going to. But I am going to say, let's study the Bible and let's understand that the fivefold is how we're going to come into health and wholeness as the body of Christ. We really are coming into that season when the church will shine and it's going to look like a lot of different things, really. So... One of the things um, that I absolutely love is that with the prophetic, prophets are meant to be mystics, like mystics who just like get caught up into the thermal realms. You know, those people, they're just like gone in the first two seconds of the song and you're like, where'd they go? And they can't come back because that's how they're wired. You know, and some people are more wired like that than other people. It's like, hello. You know, you meet them in Woolies and they're just like, you know, they've they're just, they're just got that mystical thing going down. And God has wired them that way. And so we have this incredible um, opportunity as prophetic people to engage with heaven and bring heaven to earth because that's what prophets do. Prophets see and feel and, and, and um, discern what is going on in the spiritual realm. 
That's why it's important that we recognize those with prophetic gifting. So well, the way I teach on the prophetic ministry is not that everyone's a prophet with a capital P. It's that everyone's in the prophetic culture. I call that garden variety prophecy. You just get up in the morning, you know, you're having your Wheaties and you just prophesy to people all around you. You know, you just encourage and edify and exhort, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, that we build each other up, we exhort each other, we we comfort each other, which is such an important thing as well in the body of Christ, you know. It's not just slapping each other on the back, but it's comforting each other with prophecy. And so prophets are called to do many things in the church. And it's important that we identify those who are stepping up with a, with a, with a strong utterance or a strong sense of God upon them. And that becomes what we would call the prophetic ministers within our midst. And we have to trust and grow those people and they have to trust us as leaders as we grow them into their gifting because ultimately they're going to be a voice piece into the church and that's going to really stir the the waters you know really what the difference between a dead church and a living church is the spirit of prophecy if you want it you know sort of down in black and white terms um, I really believe that the difference between a dead church and a living church is the spirit of prophecy that when we stir up the spirit of prophecy, something comes alive. And you know what the main thing that comes alive in the house is? Hope. When you are getting hopeless, it's time to stir up prophecy. When you feel like your hope has gone right down, it's time to stir up the spirit of prophecy. And God wants to make it so that it's impossible to get hopeless. And when the church is overflowing with the prophetic, it is actually impossible to be hopeless. You're just like, well, I was planning on being hopeless today, but the prophets came around to my house and now I'm like, I'm amped. I'm ready to the hands on anything, vegetable, animal or mineral, you know, because I've got the spirit of prophecy roaring through me. This morning I woke up and I was depressed and half dead. Right now I'm alive in the power of the Holy Spirit because the spirit of prophecy has ignited something within me and now I no longer look like that, you know, washed out woman that I was at 7 a.m. this morning. You see, there's an infusion and a transfusion that occurs when hope comes into you at a core level, at a spirit level. A friend of ours was going through some illness and um, so she when her doctor is one of these, you know, holistic Byron Bay guys, and he's like, well, I really feel that what you actually need uh, is an infusion of vitamin B. And she's like, oh, okay. So she goes along to this clinic that we have in Byron where you can pay exorbitant amounts of money, and you can have vitamin infusions. Now, all the rock stars, superstar people are getting these because they give you a massive big, you know, oomph and kind of uplift straight away. You get a big injection of vitamin B or vitamin C and straight away you're like I feel amazing especially if you're half dead right so um, the spirit of prophecy is like an infusion of hope to your soul it's not that you are a hopeless human being who struggles with depression it's that you're a human being in the world and the world is full of hopelessness you were in church on Sunday and you were full of hope, but you went to work on Monday and about 11 a.m. You're like, good Lord, I need to go back to church again. Because there is so much hopelessness in the world and people are dealing with so much pain and so much suffering and they've had so much grief and trauma that their trauma tanks are like up here and you, your shalom peace tank was like 
peeking out at about nine o'clock on Sunday night as you sort of fell into bed. I, I find it hard to go to bed on a Sunday night because I'm so excited. We usually need like a three-hour wind down after our meetings and I just get so excited and it's like my whole body's just really, you know, amped. I've had my infusion of hope. And so you, but you, but we leak. We drain it out. And, you know, and you have a few traumatic experiences on Monday morning or Tuesday and it's gone again, right? Yes? Okay. Um, so the Lord wants to create not just a church where you come and get a little top up, but he wants to create prophetic community that is so amped out in the glory. And this was his purpose for the church from the beginning. From the beginning. You look at the book of Acts, you look at Acts chapter 2 in particular, the massive outpouring on the day of Pentecost, you see the saints of God fully alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Those guys were hooked up, like 240 watts. They are undone by the glory of the Lord because God opened the heavens and poured it out upon them and they were amped. Now, that's not to say if you're a introvert you have to look like the ever ready guy or anything like that like I'm actually an introvert you probably don't believe me but I you know I'm I'm just going to be truthful Kate I don't know how about you (laughs) how do you go I am an introverted prophet so Jesus when Jesus called me into the prophetic ministry I just wanted to get a little white cottage with a rose garden and a picket fence and I just wanted to have a little quiet life and a few babies and it didn't happen like that. But because I, I was called forth by the Lord and I, had, I couldn't say no because he's really wonderful. So I had to say yes and it's messed up everything. <laughs> he does that. He's here to mess a few people up tonight. Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with every joy and hope in the sphere of believing, resulting in your super abounding in the sphere of the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that is from the Woost translation. Kenneth Woost. When I was 21 for my 21st birthday, I was not engaged to Phil. But he came to my 21st birthday with this package wrapped up. I was like, what's this cool guy giving me? He gave me the Kenneth Woost Bible. <laughs> and he wrote in it, Psalm 45, the king desires your beauty. In the front cover, and I was like, what a tryhard. <laughs> it's going to have to work a bit harder than that. You see, there's a war going on right now in the spirit over the nations. There's a war going on over the nations. The voice of doom, you know, coming out of Mordor. (laughs) Sound effects, people. You know, it's just like beaming out condemnation, hopelessness. You guys, we got you on the spin. We got you on. We got you freaking out because of all the stuff that's going on. Royal Commission, you look really bad right now. 
right? You guys look terrible. But the voice of heaven is shouting, I have a plan and it is to redeem my bride in the earth and I'm going to make her the head and not the tail before this thing's done. And Jesus is going to come and restore all things. And the prophetic is that thing. He's going to restore firstly his voice, firstly his, his, his power into the church, but it's this village of hope that the prophetic community becomes, the local church. It becomes a house of hope that people are going to week in, week out, and God's going to super amp the power and the glory and the joy in the church so that the prophetic just goes from a low level to a really high level and the whole church is filled with hope. And that's God's plan for the end of the age. He wants there to be a massive paradigm shift in this time. You see, it's time for us to see the value of local church. That what these pastors are doing, you know, week in, week out, turning up, hauling in the amps, trying to figure out which cord goes into which hole. I've been doing it for 20 years and I'm still confused about an XLR, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, right, I have been playing music for 20 years in the church. I had this woman come up to me about 10 years ago and she said, what are you doing with a guitar? I said, what are you doing without one? She goes, what does that mean? I said, what do you mean? We just had the weirdest conversation and I don't know what she was trying to say to me, but I'm like, look, if you had been in this situation <laughs> for 20 years, well, at that point it was like 10, she, I said, the only way to fight this battle is with praise and, and, and prayer. I would have been on that gurney if it hadn't been for praise and worship. I would have been, you know, taken out. We wouldn't have made it through. It's, it's when, we, when the saints get together and we do what we did tonight, which, by the way, was phenomenal, you know, that releases the atmosphere of the prophetic. And that prophetic atmosphere is hope on 10. People who come in here, they're just going to walk in and go, suck it in, and then just walk out and go, that was amazing. What was that? And, you know, God is going to change the atmosphere in the church to such a degree before this whole thing's finished that literally whole cities are going to become cities of hope. Just like in, in, in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 10 where we see, you know, Saul goes out to Samuel's community, Samuel's prophetic community, Naoth in Ramah, and he's, he's looking to kill David. Do you remember this story? Remember when he, go, he leaves his, um, firstly he sent out one troop, he sent out another troop, and then eventually he goes to look for David. And all three groups, three different groups, arrive at this geographical location called Naoth at Ramah, and they all get hit with something that's in the geography. They all get hit with something that's in the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere of hope. It's the atmosphere of heaven that God wants to bring down over a region. And it begins with us here tonight. It begins with every single person stirring up the prophetic within you. You have a prophetic anointing, beloved. You are a prophetic people. You can't not be a prophetic people because the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of Jesus are one and the same thing. And sure, there's going to be prophets who get to, you know, do 
different things in different ways. And we tend to think in the church, especially in Pentecostal culture, we think the guy who, who, who tells lovely destiny words out the front is the prophet. But no, there's about a hundred varieties of the prophetic. We need the prophetic business people. We need the prophetic doctors. We need the prophetic musicians, the artists, the, the creatives, the, the pastors, creative prophets, pastors. And everyone gets to step into an increase of the prophetic anointing. It's not, it's not just the person who brings that gifting, the, the, um, the prophetic oracle or the destiny messages, yeah? And so it's vital that we, that we begin to have a paradigm shift in this time to understand what we're really grappling with. You see, there's a lot at stake. Prophetic community calls people to live in the realm of heaven, but it calls them to live from the heart. It calls them back to the heart. It calls them to engage with God from the heart. You know, not to get stuck in their head and not to just to have a spirituality that's just, you know, based on a faith that's just at this level, but it's, it's right down in the depths of our heart. And the Lord wants to heal the hearts of his people. And he does that by letting them experience pure, unadulterated love straight from heaven. <sighs> pure, top notch, top bottle. Top shelf, the love that comes straight from the top shelf. And, you know, the church is going to be known for its bliss in the last days. It's going to be known for this top-level love where people are going to come in and be restored. And what took 20 years, is it's going to take a lot less. Has to. How else is we going to get billion, a billion souls harvest, right, and people restored to their right minds? God's going to speed it up. I love this verse in um, Matthew, oh sorry, it's in Ephesians, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints the experience of that love. This is from the Passion Translation. What is the breadth and the length and the width, sorry, and the height and the depth of it that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of of Christ. Whew. The love of Christ is going to restore this generation. He's going to restore this generation. See, it's time for that love to just go to a whole new level, but it's through us hosting the spirit of prophecy here in this place. Don't leave it up to the pastors. Don't leave it up to the leaders. Don't leave it up to the prayer guy on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. No, you get filled with the spirit of prophecy. When you're driving down the highway, you know, um, I made it my business many years ago in Byron because it was like do or die, basically, in that place. Um, it was tough soil, you know, like most of the churches that had gone there hadn't really overcome. And so I thought, my gosh, what are we going to do, Lord? I mean, you know, people used to come there and they'd like take one look at the beach and they were like, <laughs> you poor things, yeah, right. I'm like, no, you try living here. We, we're contending against some, some big spirits here. You know, we were contending against witchcraft and sorcery and all kinds of, you know, um, cults and just drugs on. I mean, it was the heroin capital of Australia at one point, right? 
up in Nimbin and, and Canberra, I know has had that as well, but like, and maybe, and maybe Newcastle, um, you know, in fact, I remember being here when I was a teenager and there was a lot of drugs and I know there's different hotspots and they move around, but whatever's going on in whatever season in a city, God wants to overcome principalities and powers through local churches, rising up in their authority and displacing them, displacing them through the high praises, displacing them as we prophesy our way into victory. It doesn't matter whether you can see it. You get to do it. Take someone else's word for them. Get them to lay hands on you. If you're feeling a little low in the, in the vision department, get someone with vision to lay hands on you and just begin to declare it. And remember how Abraham in Romans Chapter 4, it says that he had to call the things that are not as though they were. Him, he and Sarah were literally unable to produce children. And he had to call the things that are not as, as though they were. That's what the spirit of prophecy leads you to do. And sometimes it can feel kind of cray-cray. Like, you know, you feel a little silly. Like, wow, I'm calling this thing something that it isn't. But that's what the spirit of prophecy is filled with faith. But you have to have the eyes of the spirit to see that God wants to fill a riverbed. You have to have the eyes of heaven to see what God can do in a city, what God can do in a broken son and daughter. See, he's going to build a community here in this location and many, many, many communities in this location that are so filled with his love and his and the spirit of prophecy as well, working together, that, that people are going to come in and they're going to be restored completely. It's the glory of the Father's love. The glory of the Father's love is going to, is going to fix up these deep wounds of the orphans of this city who've had no fathers. Wow. And as much as the presence of the Lord is powerful and it's going to do all that, we don't want to just get them addicted only to the glory because then an orphan who's addicted to the glory can become a glorphan. Have you met any of them? It's not enough. We need orphans to meet the father for themselves to be restored from the inside out see the prophetic community raises up true fathers and as we call each other to live from the heart the sons will respond accordingly fathers and mothers i commission you tonight to get healed if you're still wounded it's time to be healed and it's not too late if you, were, if you are 70 tonight and you were physically abused as a child and you know you're still leaking trauma, it's time to get healed. And it's not just because I'm prophesying it. The Bible calls us to be restored. We have a mandate and we have a responsibility to be healed from the inside out. And there is healing going on all around the world today in these deep, deep issues of our lives. God loves to turn the, the ashes to beauty. He loves to turn the bitter to sweet. He loves to turn everything around. And the glory will do that. 
The glory will begin that process, but beyond the glory, we also need a house where mothers and fathers rise up and tuck the sons and the daughters under their arms and say, come on, we got this. Come on, we've got this. Let's pray. Come on, we can do this. And it's that community vibe that the, that the, that's going to heal this entire city. You know, some years ago, I've had... Um, you know, watched all of my kids come to the Lord and then battle with their faith and go through all kinds of crazy stuff as you do when you're a mother. We've had, we give, you know, we've got four children and now two of my kids are married and um, yeah, we have a grandch- grandchild as well who's adorable. I mean, he, I mean, he really is cute. And um, so it's been awesome. But when our youngest son, Toby, um, you know, he sort of was one of the ones, sort of a sneaky salvation. He never really had a full radical salvation, whereas my eldest two had radical salvations. You know, Simon sort of had a splashy salvation when he was eight years old at a Billy Graham crusade and then got blasted at Toronto and he was on fire. And, and then my daughter came into the kingdom and then our other son went running through the church one night and came, you know, did like a full, you know, what do you call that, like a nosedive onto the carpet, face planted, that's the word, face planted onto the carpet and stayed there for three hours shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you, Lord. And then our younger son, he kind of snuck into the kingdom and I was like, oh, he's here. And he was exposed to so many outpourings of the Spirit. He saw um, people get, you know, covered in gold dust and healings and he saw his father moving in healing and his faith was just growing and growing. But he himself had never really had an encounter. And when he was about 19, he went to church one night and he had a radical encounter with a whole bunch of young people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. He said he didn't feel anything, but he got in the car and on the way home, and this is a kid who'd never talked, like he hadn't been talking for weeks. I was like, how are you? Mm. How's school? Mm. Life good? Mm. You know, what teenagers like, right? And so when the glory came on him, he received an impartation. He got in the car and he's like, he wouldn't shut up. I'm like, what happened to you? And he's like, I just love our church. I love, I love you, mom. I love everything. Life is amazing. And he's just like something unlocked him. The spirit of prophecy came on him. And I'm just like, whoa, this is awesome. Anyway, so we get home, we pull in the driveway, and I'm like, well, you know, it's great that you're doing so well. You want to join us for dinner? Definitely want to join you for dinner. I've just got a few things I need to attend to in my bedroom. And I'm like, okay. He goes into his bedroom. Next thing I hear, the vacuum cleaner on. I'm like, okay, you have had an encounter. (laughs) This kid has met the Lord, people. And so he goes in there, he's like, and then then he comes out with all these bags of stuff, and he's like walking out the back, putting stuff in the garbage bin. And I'm like, hallelujah. The glory changes people. But beyond that glory is this massive need for the Father's love. See, without that, orphans will, be, will stay deeply insecure. We can get them addicted to the glory, for sure. I've been through enough revivals to see it and seen it. People get addicted to it. It's like they just wig out and they're like, oh, there they go. Chandelier swinging their way across another revival. But 10 years later, you see them and they're still insecure when someone else is being promoted. They're still uptight when they don't have any money. They're still insecure in those those, deeper places. And it's because their inner core 
hasn't been restored by, the, by that deep father love that only my daddy, our daddy, can give us. See, the Lord wants us to incrementally grow in that knowledge, not just the knowledge of how smashed up we can get in his presence, but this is the knowledge of the Father's love, that he will never, ever leave me nor forsake me. And there is a supernatural supply from heaven for me tonight. And there are assignments that he has for me to do. There are assignments he has for you to do. Some of us are going to come back into alignment with that assignment tonight. See, the true prophetic is to raise up sons who are radically, radically immersed in the Father's love. And I want to proclaim over you tonight that everyone is called to that ministry. Not just the people out the front with the microphone. So if you run a workshop, you have a garage, your job is to raise up sons, daughters. You're in the university as a lecturer. Your job is to do Jehovah sneaky work and meet those kids for coffee and love on them. If you have a passion to see the sick healed, don't wait to be raised up within the church. Just heal the sick. Raise the dead. Encourage the faint-hearted. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen those feeble knees. It begins with prayer. It begins with praise. It begins with a wild life in the secret place. And as you stay full, you'll go out and you'll leak that in your community. And if you are... If you're someone who's been in the church a really long time and your mindset is, you know, someone else is going to go do it, you need to repent. Jesus commissions us as the church to invade the city. Jesus commissions us to leak in our city the love of Christ. He compels us to be filled to the overflow. And there's nothing that he can't heal tonight. We've been seeing... All kinds of things, haven't we, over the years? How many, you know, miracles does it take to convince us? God can heal schizophrenia. He can heal bipolar. We've had all kinds of mental stuff healed. He's, he can heal you of physical deformities and, and, and DNA diseases and autoimmune diseases and all of these things that are coming through, in a sense, some of them are coming through the bloodline and the Lord is wanting us to break it off and to release his love into that. You see, as you get healed, what happens is that you release that healing. You release that healing. And you allow the presence of the Lord to go out in this city. It really happens. It's really worth it. It's really worth it to build up the local church. It's really worth it to get behind pastors. It's really worth it to have new church plants. There's never enough churches. 
Let's cheer on all the churches. Let's cheer them on to become prophetic communities. Let's meet together as a city and get all the intercessors and all the prophets together in one place. And let's move that hotspot prayer meeting around the city and just build up and 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 build up the body of Christ through prayer and praise. And let's get everyone in there building it up. And let's get, let's get the water levels lifted up very, very, very high so that we can see what Jesus wants to do when he has an overflowing church. Whoa, an overflowing church. The church will be known for its love. The church will be known for its glory, its peace, its tenderness, its beauty. It's going to happen. And it's especially our commissioning to prophesy that in. He's never had one billion people prophesying on the planet, but you watch what happens when there is. Something's going to shift. And we're going to reach a tipping point when the whole thing's going to swing back and the whole thing is going to become an epic explosion of Pentecostal, as in Acts 2, type glory that doesn't stop until the end of the age. And we'll just sweep it in. Done and dusted. And then we can go home. Amen. Then we get to rest. I want to draw your attention to a vital verse in the Scriptures. In John 17, verse 22, Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you see the very same glory that the Father gave Jesus? He's giving you. And he wants you to share it with each other. To stay full. Stay full. Everyone say, stay full. Stay full. Actually, let's say something else. Let's say, get filled. Stay full. Don't say that fast. (laughs) Our friend, Kevin Dedman, he came up with the saying, get drunk and get other people drunk in the spirit. Amen? It's time for the church to be so overflowing that as a prophetic community, we we cannot not affect the city and it's happening pastors like each other now that's a breakthrough 20 years ago we didn't even talk to each other yeah in most cities in our nation now we like each other now we go for coffee and we even have prayer meetings and we do combined services yeah come on my city went from our city went from Zippo Unity, people backstabbing each other, to prayer meeting, to now we have lunch together once a month and cheer each other on. And when someone's acting funny and goes, does transfer growth to another church and brings rumors, we ring up each other and go, well, that's rubbish. And we stand up for each other and then we just pray for each other and cheer each other on. Right? That's what the church should look like. Family. Family but an overflowing family where they, people can, cannot stay hopeless. They believe because it's in the atmosphere. Because this atmosphere that gets into the village of hope, 
God's church on the earth, is it, it's contagious. It's the atmosphere of heaven that all things are possible because Jesus is in the house. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.